Thanks for tuning in to High Point Assembly's podcast, where you're going to hear a life-giving message that we hope will encourage you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Check out our website at highpointassembly.org for more podcasts, information, and how to join us live in person or online every Sunday. We hope this message blesses you wherever you may be listening from. And remember, no matter where you're at, you belong. See to it that no one captures you with high-sounding nonsense and empty spiritualities that are not based on Christ or the world to come, but this world and human pride. Instead, as you first received Christ, continue in him. I haven't yet quoted which section of scripture we're going through, so don't worry about that. We'll get there in the moment. Um, But I want to read that again. I want you to just tune in. See to it that no one captures you with high-sounding nonsense and empty spiritualities that are not based on Christ or the world to come, but this world and human pride. Instead, as you first received Christ, continue in him. If I had a standalone title for this morning's message, it would be simple. Do not be taken captive, but continue in him. You see, the picture that the scriptures paint, Old Testament and New Testament, is one of danger for as long as we are on this side of heaven. That we're not supposed to underestimate our allegiance to Jesus Christ and the forces in the world still today that try to take us away from our relationship with him. And a lot of times we think that that's in the obvious way, the outright way, but in fact what we discover is that there's a lot of spiritualities in our culture and even in churches today that insidious ways are trying to take people's hearts and minds away from Jesus Christ to experiment with something else. I remember when I landed my first job at a warehouse. My dad was the general manager, so he was my in. I remember feeling really good about it too, which probably lets you know how young I was, because a lot of you are like, probably not something great about a warehouse job. But I was young, so I was like, this is awesome. Look at the big building I get to work in. I remember being, feeling good about being an official employee of passing all the interviews and tests. But I also remember feeling the weight of the responsibility that I was hired to do a job and they expected me to do that job. But I also remember that they taught me what to do and then expected me to do it. But I also remember that also wasn't unreasonable, very doable. I remember that as well. That even though I was a little intimidated by the job, and I had things I needed to learn to do. They did teach me what to do, and I felt that I could, in fact, do them. I only had to do it. Well, according to Scripture, it's similar in our relationship with God. Jesus did not say, he who begins shall be saved, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Those who continue to do his will. Does this sadden us and make us despair? I don't think so. Because in the Bible, God promises to give us everything we need. Instruction, patience, kindness, and power. Because he's a good God, and we need to remember that. But does that mean that we're never going to feel the weight of responsibility that comes with being a child of God? Absolutely not. And I think some people get stuck here as they think that somehow being under the cross, being under the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, getting to live for God, that somehow the weight of responsibility is a bad thing, and it is not. It's a natural thing that we should be feeling the weight of carrying his name well. We are his children, his representatives on the earth, his hands and feet of love which does not make us despair, but actually brings great excitement because we know it is by his power that we walk and are sustained, amen? Really, his command is only one, and it is this, stay on the vine, abide in me. Do not stray, do not drift, do not disconnect, just stay on the vine. The first step, was always just getting in, getting into the kingdom of God and right relationship with him through Jesus. The same way, first step is getting the job, getting into the warehouse. That's first. 
The Bible says there is no other name under heaven that God has given by which we may be saved. But then once you're in, naturally, and I had the same question is, okay, I'm in. Now what? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Now, all believers are in this stage, and some of them have come to church a long time, and they're still in this stage of like, um, I'm in. What am I supposed to be doing? Which brings us to the second step, which is knowledge. After we're in, we're supposed to be getting to know the one who saved us, loves us, and calls us to love him too. Amen? The second step is a glorious step because it brings stability to our relationship with God. It transfers us from the realm of mere feelings to the solid ground of God's word and his unchanging character. And this is huge. You see, many believers, they get in, but then they don't move on to a new believer's class or studying the word of God or really paying attention to the sermons. And what happens is their relationship with God stays at the level of their emotions. And I don't know about you, emotions are not the most stable things in the world. So if you are a stage one Christian, I guarantee you, your relationship with God is probably very unstable, but it's not God's fault because there's a stage two or step two, and step two is knowledge. That as you get to know God's word and his unchanging character, guess what happens to your relationship with him? It starts to stabilize. Because regardless of how you feel, guess who does not change? Him. Can I tell you what? That's good news. Anybody want more emotional stability in your life? We've got to move on to step two. It's a huge blessing to have stability in our relationship with God, not anchored in our emotions, but in his word and unchanging character. Which leaves the last step and really the only step left until we meet Jesus. And it's this, keep going. <laughs> keep applying what you know and never stop. And yet this is where many believers do stop and in their hearts fall away from the Lord. Like the prophet Jeremiah spoke, they continue to walk towards God, but with their backs and not their faces. In other words, they're just going through the motions, but not loving the Lord. You see, the picture is someone who comes to church regularly now and then feels the temptation that we all probably do, and I think it's natural, but we just need to learn to resist it and overcome it, is that the longer we come to church, the more the temptation is, well, I've got this. I figured it out. Check mark, check mark, check mark. Jesus likes me. And if, if you have not felt this temptation to become a church for a while, you're like, you're not really understanding your heart, I don't think. Somewhere you're in denial, because I think it comes to everybody at some point. The Satan has a subtle shift from the first, you know, beautiful lights of coming to Jesus the first time they start going to church regularly, and then all of a sudden it's like humdrum. And the prophet says, like, walking towards God with your back, yep, I'm going, I'm doing my thing, but your face is in love with so many other things back in the world. In another place in scripture, it says they have the appearance of godliness, but their hearts are far from me. God brought us into his kingdom to love him and serve him and enjoy him to the full. For this reason alone, he brought us into relationship with him, that we might know him, love him, serve him all our days. Otherwise, we're not really right with God at all, but still dead in our sins and selfish. This is why God urges over and over, continue in me. Do what you know. Otherwise, it will not go well with us. I want you to think about this. If God is a God of life, then his commands must be full of life, right? If God is a God of life, not a God of death, a God of life, then his commands must be full of what? life. Therefore, neglecting them can only mean death for us. It is not his doing, but our doing, because we're the one neglecting his commands. So in other words, God's going, I've given you everything you need. It's there. So stop blaming me and instead focus on doing what I've called you to do, and then you will not lack for power and provision in your life. Just do what I've taught you to do. This is why the Bible says, in a number of places, we'll go through them together, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Nobody, that one gets me a lot. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And now that you know these things, you will be what if you do them? It's right there. It says, I told you what to do. No fear of failure. What's the only thing we need to do? Just do them. Throughout the Colossian series, we've been learning how we are made for more. So now Paul says all that's left is to do it and keep doing it and never stop doing it, overcoming every obstacle and resisting every temptation, especially those spiritualities that people will try to sell you, which in fact offend Jesus. Paul says no, resist them and keep on keeping on, sticking to what you know, no fanciful ideas or latest greatest human books, but stick to what you know, what you first heard, the original meaning of your baptism and the fullness of his deity, which already lives in you because of your love and commitment to Jesus. So our passage this morning as we continue on is Colossians chapter two, verse six through 15. If you'd like to turn your Bible there, please do. Colossians chapter two, verse six through 15. I'm gonna read it in full and I'm gonna unpack it as we go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Last Sunday, when pastor was reading his passage, he said something along the lines of in a question, you know, what stands out to you? And I remember I turned over to my wife and I was like, honestly, right now, I feel like pastor just put a fire hydrant into my mind and turned it on. And I was like, There's, that was so much information. In the same way, if you felt that way when I read this, you're not alone. <laughs> if you even tuned out a little bit, that is okay. <laughs> it's a lot of truth. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I cannot unpack in one message all of what I just read, but I am gonna unpack for you what I felt like the Lord was highlighting for us this morning. Sound good? So before we jump in, I want to give a little bit of review, especially if it's your first time here or if you're tuning in. Apostle Paul is writing from Rome while in prison for preaching the gospel and awaiting trial. While there, he still allowed visitors, and Epaphras brings him news regarding the churches in a city called Colossae. It's a small city planted alongside the Lycus River with pasture lands all around it. But apart from this beauty, some false teachers had begun to infiltrate the churches there. They said they were Christians, but their teachings radically differed from the apostles, such as Christ was only one among many spiritual beings in the great hierarchy of beings, and that these other spiritual beings should be worshiped too. Interestingly enough, there are many books still being written that call themselves Christian, that if you were to read them, you're hearing stuff like this that there is, Jesus is just one among many. And so therefore you should be following and worshiping them all. And Paul is saying that is not what you originally heard. That is not what you were taught. Stick to what you know, keep on keeping on, do not deviate, do not stray, do not drift. 
They also believe certain elements of the Jewish faith were still binding, like circumcision, food laws, and special days, like new moon festivals and the Sabbath. These new teachers knew full well that their, teacher, that their teachings did not fly with the apostles, those whom Christ himself had appointed. But in fact, they had said that this new knowledge, these new teachings had actually come from special visions they had had, mixed in with ideas popular at the time. I am telling you what, if there is the scariest movement in our nation today, to me, is not so much political as it is spiritual, because we are very much living in a time in which people no longer want to stick to the apostolic faith, the biblical roots. They want to drift and experiment and add and take away and subtract as if we were God rather than serving God. These are proponents of what I call Build-A-Bear Christianity. Young adults always get a kick out of that. But that's what it is, isn't it? It's Build-A-Bear Christianity. You talk to Christians, and they take great pride in, well, this is my view of Jesus. Well, this is my view of Jesus. Or you read books, and they're like, well, I've got this clever view of Jesus you've never heard about. That's not good. I'm not supposed to be listening to people who have clever views about Jesus nobody's heard about. I'm supposed to be uh, staying grounded in what God has revealed as truth, and not to deviate from that. Otherwise, spiritually, it's not going to go well with me. No build-a-bear Christianity for me or my family. After hearing all of this, Apostle Paul immediately felt led to write them a letter, encouraging them to remain true to the apostolic faith as they first received it, and to keep on keeping on until we all reach total and perfect maturity at Christ's return. Amen? So now we are smack dab in the middle and most important part of the letter, at least in terms of the exhortation, where Paul tells them what to do. And he writes, So then, in light of these false teachers, these false teachings that are trying to seduce you to shift or change your relationship with Jesus, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Interesting. Strengthened in the faith you were what? Taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. Apostle Paul encourages them to continue to live what they already know. Not deviate or innovate, but to remain rooted in the faith they first received. First from Epaphras, who got it from Paul, who got it from Christ and the other apostles, and now we have it in the Bible. Aren't you so thankful that we are not dependent on 2,000 years of hearsay, but God allowed his, this, these major truths to be written down in a book in which we can weigh every other claim. Amen? We would be lost without it. And yet it's interesting to me how many people who call themselves Christians and teachers and write books, and they like having fun deviating from what the Word says. And even more, who's buying all of this stuff to keep them going. We've got a major problem in our culture today and in our nation and even in the churches of people leaving the biblical faith but still calling themselves Christian because they think it's okay to build a bare Christ. This is why reading the Bible, going to church, and following the leadings of the Spirit are so important because these things keep us rooted in the truth building on a solid foundation that is not of our own making, amen? And to walk according to the leading and power of the Holy Spirit. These three things, scripture, church, and the inner leadings of the Spirit, work together to keep us healthy and strong and balanced and growing. And like I did in the first service, I like to emphasize that word balanced. Take even one of these away and you'll begin to wilt. You will notice your spiritual relationship with God beginning to weaken. I think a good way of looking at this is each of those three, scripture, church, and spirit, think of them like the arteries of your heart, which right now is a very big deal. You all constantly are hearing about hearts and how hearts work and what cause blockages. We also, spiritually, you can think of having a heart 
Scripture is an artery. Church is an artery. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit is an artery. How many of you would be very careless about going out and taking an artery out of your heart? <laughs> and yet, how careless do we find ourselves when it comes to these three arteries to our spiritual life? Spiritually, we begin to weaken. And all of a sudden, we start to our, notice ourselves inclining again towards sin. Which I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm going to say it now. What worries me most about that, what group, is not the people who know their sins and have done some really crazy sins, and they know, they're like, oh, I got to spend more time with Jesus because I'm going to go back to that. The people that worry me the most are the people that have been raised in church or have lived a pretty good life. And so they don't realize how much they're drifting into spiritual pride, which is more of a patting on your back about how you're doing rather than praising the Lord about how you're doing. You see, the people that worry me the most who are not rooted in these three things are in fact the people who never sinned in any really big way over the course of their life because they do not realize to what degree they're drifting. They could die and not know how far they are back in sin and never even think to turn to Jesus where I have found that people who have come from really sinful backgrounds, that I'm not as worried for them because usually wherever they're about to die, they know I gotta get right with Jesus because of the stuff I've done and it comes to their mind. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of believers it doesn't even come to their mind. Paul continues on and warns them. Turn away from anything that separates you from these things. He calls them hollow and deceptive philosophies. <laughs> I call them fake fireplaces. <laughs> I remember the first time, I think I was 16, I went into Home Depot and I saw my first fi fake fireplace. I thought it was a new thing. I don't know, it might have been around a long time, I'm not sure, but all I, I saw from a distance, and I was like, oh my goodness, how did a Home Depot get a fireplace in here? Because I thought it was a real fire. And I was like, that's so cool. I'm like, I don't even, the liability on that must be awful. And so I'm walking, to, and so I start walking, I'm like, this is so cool. But as I'm getting closer to it, I'm expecting heat, and there's no heat. And I'm starting to notice it's not what I thought it was. It's kind of like artificial, and then I get all the way up to it, and I'm not joking, I was mad. Those little deceivers! <laughs> Who's gonna spend this much money on a fake fireplace? And some of you are like, I did. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, though. There are a lot of things going for Christianity and healthy spirituality and Jesus, and they're really fake fireplaces. It means that if you try it and leave what you know to be true, it is going to disappoint you, it is going to make you mad. I remember my first fake fireplaces, and they still sting even to think about them. I remember the first one was the thought, I don't need church. I'd gotten hurt by a church, and so I left, and guess what? I don't need church. I don't need that. And I stayed that way for a while. And then along came its demonic big sister. I don't need anyone to teach me because I have the, guess what I filled that in with? the Holy Spirit. So I don't need church, and I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody to teach me because I've got the Holy Spirit. Well, little did I know that these were fake fireplaces that Satan was planting in my mind through a wound in order to separate me from my relationship to Jesus Christ. These twin malevolence ravaged my soul, twisted me inwardly, and no joke, made me harsher, meaner, and more unloving than I ever was as a non-Christian. And I thank God he delivered me from those two lies, interestingly enough, through a healthy church and while reading his word. I am so thankful that even though one artery was gone, two arteries were in place. <laughs> Amen? Because through those two, at least he brought me back into firing on all three cylinders. Can I share with you the two scriptures that God gave me that brought me back to him in fullness? The first one is Ephesians, from Ephesians chapter 4, where it literally says in there, Christ gave certain gifts to his body to edify them, strengthen them, to help them become fully mature and not easily swayed by the things of this world. And do you guess what those gifts were? Two of them were pastors and teachers. <laughs> Jesus, I love you. I don't need to go to church. And Jesus is like, if you really love me, you will submit yourself to pastors and teachers. Oh. Yes, Jesus. 
And reluctantly I went. Why? Because I care enough about my soul not to say no to my Savior. The second one was Hebrews 10.25. Can't get any clearer than this. Do not forsake the assembly of believers. <laughs> that was in my private devos one morning. I remember I read it, and bam! But Jesus, I love you. I don't need the church. If you love me, then you will not forsake the assembling of my people. Yes, Jesus. So guess what happened? I went back to church, and I'm so thankful I did, because little did I know how much I needed it and how far I'd strayed in my relationship with Jesus through that spiritual pride. But I'm really glad that God took me away from the fireplace, the fake fireplace, and he brought me back to the real fire of his people gathered in his name. We may not be perfect, and God did not say that. God just said that when my people gather together, I will be there in a very special way and a unique way, and you are not to forsake or take it for granted. I should have listened to Paul. I should have stuck to what I knew. There was no need to experiment. I already had everything I needed in Christ, which is what Paul says. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Why in the world would I go after some lesser being or lesser spirituality if I have the fullness of deity in Jesus Christ? Amen? Why would I stray? I have fullness. That means literally everything else is less. Who in the world here picks something inferior to what you could have is better? I don't think anybody here would do that. It doesn't even matter if those beings existed. I have relationship with the greatest being of all. And I love that it says, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. I have also been brought to fullness through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a work in progress. If you said, Chris, your fullness right now, I'd be like, that's sad. That's real sad. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about fullness on the way because there's a day coming that, my friend, I'm going to shine so much, you're going to have to close your eyes, and then I'm going to close my eyes because you're going to shine that much too, assuming you continue in Christ. We've got to stop thinking Jesus isn't enough. We've got to stop letting false spiritualities try to get us to doubt that, and we've got to stop letting false spiritualities start telling us we're not enough. In Christ, we are enough. We have fullness in him because he is fullness in us. He is the head over every power and authority. So even if these other beings did exist, it does not matter because we know the head. Jesus is the fullness of God come. There are no other intermediary beings between us and God, and he is not one of them. Jesus is the fullness of God in human form, and therefore if we have him, we have fullness. There is nothing, quote unquote, more. All we do now is just simply live for him, amen? Don't you love that? You're not supposed to be searching. You're found. Now just live. Which is what baptism means. In Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, we've died to this world, and now we live for him, which includes overcoming every power of the enemy. For our circumcision was not performed by human hands in the flesh, like these false teachers were saying, but we believe like we were first taught, and in the scriptures, that our circumcision was one of the heart by the spirit within us, amen? So we don't have to keep trying to do these external things to change our hearts because we know the one who changes our hearts for us by simply turning to him. Our old self controlled by sin has also been cut away and buried in baptism as Paul calls it. And now we are alive again to live for God by faith. Paul says we are forgiven of all of our past sins in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Some of you just need to sit on that. All of your past sins, I'm talking about the ones that you don't even like to think about yourself because you don't want to believe I'm that kind of a person. My friend, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not keeping anything from Jesus he didn't already know. He already knows how evil you could be. See, you're thinking only of evil you did. You have no idea how evil you could be. And Jesus died, and he already knew all that. 
He knows where you live. And he still died for you. And he still lives in you. And he's still with you to the end. Paul says we are forgiven of all of our past sins. No more thinking on them. No more identifying with them. Now you identify with Jesus. I have fullness. Paul says Jesus canceled every debt we owed, taking it away and nailing it to the cross. So whatever things we owed in the past, that heaviness of weight, Paul is saying, stop it. Jesus took it away and nailed it on the cross. And like I said in the first service, I'm not talking about physical money. I've got a mortgage too. That doesn't mean go and not pay your bills. You cannot write that person back, Jesus paid it. That's not what that meant. It's talking about spiritually. And listen to this. I love this part. Satan thinks he's big, so high and mighty. But the scriptures over and over say he is high and mighty, except once Jesus outdid him. And now he's kind of an embarrassment in the kingdom. Paul goes on to say, and as far as Satan, whatever hold he had on you, in my name is undone. He is disarmed. Which means we are free. More than free, the Bible says we are in fact now conquerors. Can I get an Amen. You see, you're not just free. Based on the scriptures, Satan is disarmed. So if somebody steals a whole bunch of your junk, well, that's probably not junk. You wouldn't go after it. Good stuff. And then you hear, hey, that person's been disarmed. They're tied up. What are you going to go do? You're going to go get what was taken. And also, you're probably going to take a lot more from Satan than he ever originally took, maybe other people's souls into the kingdom, amen? We are more than free. You, it's amazing that you can be in a position of, I'm free, Jesus has forgiven me of my past, and this and this, I'm so great, and I've got protection. But that is radically, because you can still be timid. You'd be like, I'm free, but I'm timid, and constantly worried that the enemy's gonna come back. That is not the scripture say, he says he's disarmed. Stop being timid. You're not just free, you're a conqueror. Jesus said, see, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. And in another place, we now co-reign with Christ. And Apostle John said, greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the what? The world. I knew a young man when I was in Louisiana doing my internship for ministry. He's a very reckless young man who's throwing away his life and did not like people. He happened to come to a service that we were hosting at our church that had free food, and if you want people to come, you feed them, right? So he came just for the food, closed heart, but heard the gospel message, and the Holy Spirit used it to soften his heart just enough to inquire more. He saw me and came over, because probably about the same age as him, and he said, hey, I have some questions about Jesus. Would Jesus actually take someone like me? and told me his past. And I said, absolutely, absolutely. Jesus came for sinners. And as we began to talk, and I've been to tell him about the good news of Jesus in so many different ways, and just beautiful, you, you know when somebody's eyes just begin to sparkle with hope? This was happening to this young man. And then right when I was about to ask him, the obvious question is, are you ready to give your life to this one who has died for you and loves you and is ready to set you free? He actually immediately darted his head down as like a darkness came over his face. And he went quiet. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I don't want to tell you. And I said, well, we made it this far. What's wrong? He said, when I was 13 in middle school, I sold my soul to the devil to become popular. He said, when I was in middle school, I was the picked on kid, bullied kid. And I was so over it. And one day I went into my room and I said, devil, if you're there, I'll give you my soul if you'll make me popular. He started to, and he started, tears started kind of coming up in his eyes. And he said, Pastor Chris, the next day, the most popular kids in school came up to me and started hanging out with me. He said, and ever since then, I have been known as the popular crowd. And he said, see, I can't come to Jesus because I sold my soul to the devil. You know what I did? Smiled the biggest grin. <laughs> And I said, Satan's got nothing on my Jesus. 
If you give your life to him right now, that's undone. And Satan's got nothing on you. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus Christ? And that young man did. And you could literally feel the spiritual joy in this. In, in, it was outside. It wasn't even inside. But you know, you could feel the spiritual joy of the Holy Spirit's doing something. And I can't tell you the rest of the story. It's phenomenal. I don't have time. But I can tell you in short order, that young man's whole life changed. And he was reformed. And it wasn't because he was following Jesus. It was because he recognized that Jesus was living in him. Aren't you so glad we serve a God that no power can prevail against us? Not our sins, not our past, not Satan himself, as long as we will continue in him and stay on the vine. The Bible says together, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against us. Not in our hearts, not in our minds, not in our families or this city. That we were made for more, and we already have what we need in Christ. Now walk in it. I cannot tell you the believers who have told me that they will go into their own homes and feel like there's a dark, haunting presence there and then do nothing about it, even though the scriptures are trumpeting at the highest sound. You have the authority of Jesus Christ, the name above every other name. Take your house back. Take your mind back. Take your family back. Take it all back for him. We have everything we need in Christ. Now walk in it. Get in his word every day. Get in his word every day. How often are you reading stuff that is some type of trying to sell you some other spirituality or some other good news? How many times a day do you think that's happening? How often are you getting stuff in your mailbox or emails that you don't want and it's trying to sell you something away from Jesus? That's happening every day. Don't tell me you don't need to be getting in his word every day. Amen? And if you can, do it in the morning. Start off right. Because I don't know about you, when I wake up in the morning, a lot of times my first thought isn't, great day, Jesus. It's what's going to happen that day. What happened yesterday? And all of a sudden, it's like tries to immediately take my mind and just fix the day. I don't believe in that junk. I don't follow fate. I follow Jesus. I don't need to be reading something that tells me what the stars tell me today. I would rather go straight to the one who made the stars to tell me how my day's going to go. Get in his word every day. Let him speak to you. Let him touch your heart. I said this first service as well. I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, it's kind of a frustrating time in which to live because there are probably about hundreds of books of how you should read the Bible. And I find a lot of believers have gotten to the point that they feel like I have to read three books just to know how to read God's word and they give up and they feel completely disqualified. Do you, under, do you know that that is a novel thing that's been happening the last 200 years? Because for the longest time, it was understood that you can read the word, you can meet God. It's one of the ways that he feeds your spirit. Let me give you an easy way to read the Bible. Are you ready? 15 minutes. 15 minutes. If you need five, even five will work. Are you ready? You don't have to read 300 pages of somebody else. It's just simple. Ask God to speak to you before you read his word because it's his word. You don't want your mind leading. You want his mind in that mysterious way leading you. You pray first. I don't want your interpretation of the Bible. Neither do you. You want his. So in humility, you pray first. Then you go to where you want to go. And then as you read... You take it easy, and you take your time, and then you stop when your mind feels full. And then you just ask yourself what stood out. Holy Spirit, what stood out? And then when it stands out, then you just go in your heart right to the Lord. Lord, why does that stand out? And then let him speak. And then you thank him, and then you're done. That's it. If you do that within the context of this every day, in church, and following the leadings of the Spirit, you don't have to worry about falling, astray, uh, falling away because you've got good accountability by the other two arteries. You hear what I'm saying? What if I have the interpretation wrong? 
If you're pursuing God, I guarantee probably that next Sunday or the Sunday after that, guess what pastor's probably gonna preach on? The very verse you had questions about. You don't think God doesn't know how to, to bring you to completion? Get in his word every day. Ben, go to church every week. Some of you are like, I go to church multiple times a week. Good. Now, there's also something he said for rest, okay? <laughs> go to church every week. I work with young adults. I love being pastor for young adults. Our young adults ministry is rocking. But one of the things that it was interesting during COVID is I was very fearful for young adults because out of all the groupings you could think of, it's normal to think that young adults are probably the ones that if you were to give them easy access to just staying home and watching online and they stop getting out of the habit of coming to church, that it's like, that ministry's dead. Well, that was what I was worried about, is that when COVID hit, we couldn't go to church for six weeks. The young adults are like, I'm not in the habit of going to church anymore, so build new habits. Oh, and I could just watch online, so let's watch online. That's what I thought was gonna happen. Do you know what actually happened? I have multiple young adults coming to me going, Chris, Pastor Chris, when are we gonna open church again? When are we gonna get to have young adults again? It is not the same. I don't want to sit at home and listen to the worship through my phone or my computer. I want to be in the house of God and with my fellow believers. There is something about God's presence that is, that is there in church and with each other that is not in the home by myself. Can I get an amen? And boy, do they not realize that they are speaking the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is literally urging them to be biblical. We need each other. We may not always like each other, but that wasn't what Jesus said. <laughs> he said, when you gather, not when you like, when you gather. Because as you gather, if that artery is pumping, guess what? The changes you need to make in yourself to be more patient and forgiving will come about because you are staying on the vine. Amen? Go to church every week. Stop neglecting it. Stop thinking of it as a club. Start looking at it as what God said it is, which is an artery for your walk with God. You don't even have to think it's perfect. I don't think God, I think God knows that we're not perfect. And thirdly is obey the Holy Spirit's inner leadings. And I'll be honest with you, it's my favorite. I love his word. I love going to church, but this one's my favorite because I learned I need to be grounded in his word first when I came to Christ. Then I learned I need to be going to church. But it took three years before somebody told me about personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, how to, to discern and follow his inner leadings like throughout the day. And I'll tell you what, that changed my relationship with God. My, my relationship with God became so adventurous and so fun. I'll tell you what, when you start walking in the spirit and learning how to do that faithfully and responsibly, my friend, you will never ever say this phrase, which just drives me nuts. They're a Christian and they're going, I'm bored with my life. And my first thought is, do you know the Holy Spirit? And they usually don't or they've stopped following. Because I'd just be like, you're bored? Right now, sit in a chair, close your eyes, and ask Holy Spirit for an assignment. Trust me, you're done being bored. Amen? You can read God's word and get bored. Not because the word's boring, it's because you're moving towards spiritual pride and you don't realize it. You can go to church and start getting bored and humdrum, and again, that's spiritual pride because if God's saying, I am here, you will find him if you seek him like his word says. But you cannot get bored following the leadings of the Holy Spirit, my friend. Can I get amen to that? Anybody who does it, every time you do it, it's a little risky, isn't it? How's it going to go? What's that person going to think? Maybe I'm going to freak. Maybe I get it wrong. That's adventure. So stop settling for a boring, memorized, gung-ho life. And instead, let's start tuning into the Holy Spirit every morning. And whatever he asks us to do, not just in the morning, but throughout the day, let's just follow it. Let's be humble enough to learn from our mistakes. If we get it wrong, then let's be okay with saying, hey, I'm sorry, if that was off, that's okay. Let's be very humble and responsible to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. But my goodness, let's get, let's go after it, amen? Get in his word every day, go to church every week, and obey the Holy Spirit's inner leadings. Now you might be thinking, Pastor Chris, that wasn't a very deep message. When I actually really think about all you told me to do is basically read scripture, go to church, and follow the Holy Spirit. I already knew all that. And that's Paul's point. Keep doing what you know. Stop innovating. Stop experimenting. Keep on keeping on. Keep taking your medicine and spiritual food. Worship team, would you guys come up? I have a question for you. It's really not your question. 
Do you ever outgrow normal food? Do you ever get to a place in your life where I'm like, you know, I'm old enough, I'm seasoned enough, I don't need to eat anymore. Right? It's ridiculous. And yet, isn't it interesting that we hear this lie that it works that way in the spiritual life? Well, I'm so mature, I don't need to read the Bible anymore. I'm so mature, I don't need to go to church. I'm so mature, I'm so mature that every thought I have and everything that comes in my mouth is the Holy Spirit. And you think it's funny, and yet you or you have met people who sound like that. Last time I remember, the word says that his thoughts are as high as the heavens and our thoughts are as low as the earth, meaning his thoughts are his thoughts, your thoughts are your thoughts. That's why it's called a dialogue and a relationship. You do not become God. He stays him, you stay you. Let's remain humble about it. You do not, grow out normal, you do not outgrow normal food in the same way you'll never outgrow your spiritual food on this side of heaven. God has given it to us to bless us. Scripture, church, and the Spirit. These are our spiritual food through which Christ works and spiritually strengthens us. And you do not always have to have a spiritual high. This is so true with young adults, but I'm sure there's other people here that they're like, sometimes because I just get nothing out of the Bible. And like, you know, sometimes in the morning I get nothing out of my oatmeal. I'm just gonna stop eating breakfast. <laughs> no. It doesn't need to be a spiritual high. That's a lie against a fake fireplace. If you're in the word, if you're doing the stuff, guess what it's doing? It's spiritually feeding you. Just like you don't need a high spiritual experience from eating oatmeal. The devil doesn't want you to know that. But it's just that true. And you know what? I love that it works that way because it ain't based on my feelings. It's based on his unchanging character. Amen? Through these three, God keeps us close and holy and protects us from otherwise fine-sounding ideas that would hurt us or even destroy our relationship with Jesus. The Bible says if we lack anything in our relationship with him, time, energy, wisdom, to simply ask and he will give it. So there are no excuses. Jesus said, I came to bring life and that life to the full. So let's all stay on the vine. We know what we need to do, and now all we need to do is do it. Now that you know these things, you will be what if you do them? Blessed. It is not hard to stay full of Jesus. It's not hard to go after him. It's the enemy in the world that tries to mess us up. Just stay on the vine. Eat your oatmeal. And every once in a while, Jesus throw in some blueberries and whipped cream, okay? But don't get attached to that. Oatmeal's good. Some of you hate it. Fine, pick something else. As we close this morning, I want to allow some time of reflection in the presence of the Lord as we just close with one brief worship song. If you've gotten away from Jesus Christ, I believe this is God calling you back this morning. If as I've been going through this message, you've reckoned that you are a sudden recognizing the Holy Spirit brought to your mind, I think I've started to drift from Jesus. I think that book is really screwing me up. I think all of a sudden I'm starting to wonder if I'm following some other fake spirituality. Then I believe this is God calling you back to him. It's that simple. Just turn back to Jesus like you first received him. And he is gonna, he's gonna super hug you and he's gonna hold you tight. And then in your spirit, he's gonna be in sorting things out again and get your head straight, your spirit straight, your assignment straight. So if you've gotten away from Jesus, I encourage you this morning, just turn back to him in a fresh way and then let him take care of the rest. If you've gotten away from his word, I believe this is God calling you back. Treasure his word, get back into his word and stop making it complicated. Just pray, seek his voice, humbly receive what's there and then move on. If you've got hours and hours to spend in the Bible, then go for it, but don't get lost in the thoughts of men. Try to stick close to the Father's heart. If you've gotten away from church, I believe this is God calling you back. Come back to the church. Come back to the presence of God in this artery kind of a way. You are missing out. It is having an effect. Now, I speak to those who are watching online. Some of you, I understand that you have real reasons that you cannot come back into the building out of love for somebody that you care about or love. I'm letting you know right now God knows that and he sees that, okay? The Bible says that when we do something out of love, there is no sin in it. But for the rest of us, 
We have got to treasure the gathering of, the belie of believers and believe that every time we do, that we're having our oatmeal. And do you know you, that means you can even have a bad day at a church? Somebody could totally ruin it. And guess what? If you acknowledge that Jesus, I still went and I am believing your promise that you spiritually fed me, I forgive that person. Guess how you're gonna feel by the time you get to the car? You're gonna notice, oh, I am actually feeling kind of spiritually full. And if you've gotten away from the Holy Spirit's inner leadings, then I believe this is God calling you back. If you've just gone into intellectual mode where somebody's hurt you and so you shut off your heart, it's time to get right. It's time to get back in the game. Start following the Holy Spirit's leading. If you don't know how to do that, then ask one of the board members, ask one of the pastors, we'll give you some resources that teach you how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I believe there's no better time than this morning. I believe you're here for a reason. And so I encourage you to take the offer. It's a free offer. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. All you gotta do is turn to him this morning and he'll take care of the rest. And lastly, if you have done all of these things and continue to do them, that you're going to church regularly, you're getting into scripture regularly and you're walking in the spirit the best you can regularly, then let's praise God in our worship song. Let's give him his due, for we both know it is not because of your righteousness you do these things, but his great love and power working in you. Because he loves you and he enjoys you and he's providing for you. So do not pat your own back. I am doing pretty good. Instead, start proclaiming and praising the one who is making it possible for you to do these things. Thank you guys for being here this morning. I had a wonderful time. I hope you did too. I love you guys. I love being a part of this church. I love Pastor David and our board. It's just a wonderful church to be a part of, amen. So I'm gonna pray a blessing over you guys. If you are new and this is your first time, I am sorry Pastor David is not here. I know that he would love to have met you. He will be here next Sunday, but I would love to meet you if you'd like to say hello. And uh, otherwise I'm gonna close. Father God, we thank you for our service. It was sweet, it was good. Thank you for your word. Thank you, it keeps us on track and keeps us close to you. Thank you for our church. We may not always like each other, but we're really glad to get to do this together. Lord, make us more like you, like Pastor Anthony said at the beginning. To be more gentle, to be more kind, to be more generous, to experience the joy of getting to be that way in his power. Lord, I just pray a blessing on every person. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Pray they get into your word daily, and that we get to see each other again next week. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys.